Attention! The following episode contains a dangerous amount of Nicolas Cage impersonations. You've been warned. That's all you have to do! I can feel it coming in the air tonight. It's another episode of Full Metal Analysts. Welcome to our show where free writers analyze each and every episode of Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. I'm Michelle. I am Arthur. And I'm Mike. Oh lord. <laughs> <laughs> and our guest today is a returning champion, the second most recurring guest on our show's history, I would wager to guess. Probably either the second or the third. Please welcome back to the show, <laughs> writer <laughs> Matt Jekyll. Hello! Yay, I'm the second yay. or third? Wow. I mean, the first one is Camilla. <laughs> yes, Camilla, yes. of course. You're in the three-timers club now. Wow. I'm... It's so prestigious. I'm so happy to be in these hallowed halls. <laughs> so let's get started talking about this week's episode, Signs of a Counteroffensive. This episode was directed by Kiyomichi Sato. They directed Alchemist Anguish, Miracle of Rush Valley, Advance of the Fool, and two more after this one. Writer Shotaro Suga wrote this and 10 other episodes of the show. Dang. This was a kind of a heavy exposition. Like it was, it must've been a tough, I was thinking it was a tough one to write. I don't know, while I was listening to the dialogue come back and forth, I'm like, man, this is a lot of information. I don't know if this was the episode or the fact that I was watching the episode while on hold with the RRS to talk about my taxes, which mm -hmm. was like hour two of my three hour hold. <laughs> but this episode was really boring. But we're gonna talk about that, but we do our improvised recap, which is the moment of the podcast where one of us will do a 21 second improvised recap of this week's episode. And that person will be chosen based on the roll of a dice. If he lands on one, it's me. If he lands on two, it's Arthur. If he lands on three, it's Mike. If he lands on four, it's our guest, Matt. Let's roll the dice. Four. Matt, it's oh, you. Oh, yay. Okay. Three. Two, one, go. Uh, let's see, Al's in pieces, and he and a bunch of other people find out that they, that pay, that the research that they have forms a, a an alchemy circle, but it's actually a an alkahestry circle. And then uh, the uh, Hohenheim walks around a tunnel for a while. Did I get it? Pretty good. Here's the thing. In my brain, I was like, he missed something. I could not tell you what that is. And then I remembered mm. he missed the war on Drachma starting. And that's about right. it. Oh, right, right. Right. That was a big deal. Yeah. Was it? I guess. It was a little rushed and it felt a little squished. This episode is a definition of rushed. So we start off with this, you know, sequence we've seen in just about any show or any movie with a mystery where it's like, wait a second, one, nine, nine, nine. That's weird. The numbers one plus nine plus nine plus nine. I knew it. It makes up the number 48 and 48 is the code number. We all yeah. have seen that sequence. <laughs> okay, yeah, but what I liked about that sequence was they kept discovering things by complete mistaken chance. Oh and my happened, God. Like, <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. And then they drop the papers on the floor and they'd be like, that's it. We need to put the papers on the floor. It was that they were and putting... somebody would sneeze and it's like, that's it. We need to spend the papers around. Yeah. It was even more of a jump because they were putting Al together and they were like, reassemble. I understand. We need to put all the papers on the ground physically on top of each other. And it's like, yeah, exactly. What? <laughs> so it's more like, wait a minute. The White House. I understand. We need to go to New Zealand. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? It's funny because last week we watched The National Treasure 2, and 
National Treasure 2 has a lot of similarities with that scene because there's also some leaps of logic. But the thing they do in National Treasure 2 that they don't do here is that the leaps of logic are stupid, but they happen for a reason. It's not yeah, like they Nicolas walk Cage is walking around and goes, I know it's in the Library of Congress. I knew it. He goes from somewhere to Library of Congress. Like he makes a jump. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they walk you through it. And then after that happened, they're like, what do we do? We we revealed the symbol, but that's it? That's all there is? And then literally a gust <laughs> yes. of wind blows it upside down. And they're like, that's I it. I think that Turn actually it upside is a down. sneeze. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Al's like, I forget what his actual line is because all I heard is the line was almost, you had a bad day, you're taking one down, you sing a sad song and you turn it around. <laughs> was it turn that frown upside down? I wrote it down. You take a bad situation and you turn it around. Yeah, oh, no. That's got after it. school special. Situation and you turn it around. I think what his line should have been is, this is great, guys. Can we uh, focus on putting me back together? <laughs> <laughs> One last call for alcohol. Wait, alcohol history. <laughs> they should have just in the put... president's desk. I guess their dad would help them solve this mystery, much like in National Treasure. <gasps> oh, oh my similarities God. are wow. myriad. I've been sitting around for a while trying to think, what would National Treasure 3 be? Is it Andrew Carnegie's gold or something? But I think that just a United States nationwide transmutation circle it would be a pretty good National <laughs> Treasure 3. That would be pretty good. <laughs> Riley, there's a nationwide transmutation circle. I lost my pride. I lost my hand. Um, yeah, so that's why Al's line was weird, you know. Right. Yeah, Al's line <laughs> was weird. Of course, right. Alphabet Alchemist, I forgot. But the thing is, like, what did they discover exactly? They discovered that there's another circle and mm -hmm. it's with Alcahestry. And it's like and no i think that's valuable i disagree i'm gonna i'm gonna push back on that and say the valuable piece of information that was discovered is that alka history is important <laughs> <laughs> that's a gradual reveal of information it's a teaser it's like oh what could that mean it means something but it's a discovery is there a ticking clock other than like Right now, they're trying to stop the bad guys from using the transmutation circle there's no ticking clock yet so there's no like there's no real use case yet for a good transmutation circle it certainly feels like they're building up to it right it yeah. certainly feels like oh shit we're in the last leg let's ramp things up and i wanted to talk about that yeah. too because it's like they're they have one more crest of blood to carve that yeah. in this episode they they start to carve it so i think that is the ticking clock you're telling me that he had to wait until now to do all this shit because it's not just Briggs. They cut to the other places and there's still war going on. And it's like, wouldn't you want to stagger it out so that way nobody would notice that you're doing this? Well, it seems to be pivotal because he says, the time is now. Sloth is finishing the tunnel. And then they start like clicking and saying, we're going to start getting the blood where we need the blood to do the things, you know. I guess shifting Kimberly's task also shows you something important going on. The fact that they're like, hey, leave Scar, that doesn't matter anymore. That feels like if the bad guys are shifting gears, sums up. This isn't the beginning of the end, but perhaps it it's is the, the beginning end. of the beginning. Of the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's my Winston Churchill moment. I want to talk about Benedict Zampano over here. Oh, what a terrible person. That man whose name I've known this whole time. <laughs> After I went through all the trouble of learning his name, 
He goes and betrays us by calling Envy it's on the phone. Awful. Envy's okay. on the phone, guys. Oh, wow. That's a reference to our first ever joke. Lust on yeah. the phone. Envy's on the phone, taking up the mantle after Lust died. Somebody's got to be on the phone. Still funny to me, I think. Just anytime the homunculi do anything normal, like ride a train or use the phone, it's very hilarious. They, yeah. They've got to have better ways. <laughs> <laughs> but they still just are like, hello? Or also, he had the Fuhrer's phone number. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Office of the Fuhrer? Envy speaking. Yes. Yes. He's here. <laughs> Sorry, I mean, yes. Yes. He's here. Okay. <laughs> you want me to leave a message? All right. Beep. He wanted to call you out for dinner. <laughs> no, no. I'm not the Fuhrer, but he's standing menacingly behind me. <laughs> you, you think he would have picked up the phone, but... Whatever. Do you guys think that Envy <laughs> and the Fuhrer just kind of hang out? No, I don't think Envy hangs it. out with anyone. I think Envy just kind of walks near people, and they eventually realize Envy's there, and they're like, oh, I got something, you know? Uh, man, I love to hang out with you, but I got something to do. It's like, even Gluttony would be like, actually, I have to go eat the burger. Yeah. <laughs> no, Envy's definitely the kind of person where they'll like be really mean to you, and then at the end of the day, they'll be like, so what are you doing later? Like I have plans, but like I don't really want to do them. I was just wondering what you were doing. Yeah. Do you want to go bowling? I I can go bowling. I'm I'm a bowler. <laughs> I bowl. I'm free. Oh, and we know. I've I actually have like dinner plans. Oh, I could eat. I could eat. <laughs> I eat. I eat. Speaking of envy, and you know all these homunculi and stuff like that, like. This is like the biggest pride scene. Right. That we've had. Yeah, it's the yes. first time. You know what would be more interesting? If that scene had happened before we knew it was Salim. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah, it, it would just create more tension around the question of who pride is if we've seen pride actually be dangerous in a different context. Also, the way he says you can't go farther than your container yo that was fascinating yeah i love that he's trapped just like the first homunculus yeah adding that dimension to a monster that is i think kind of the most powerful monster that we've seen i think knowing that he's limited oh it's fun to see hohenheim sort of like dimensionalized in this way it's like i really do like how the show holds hohenheim at arm's length for so long we just don't know how you feel yeah, about it and then all of a sudden he's humanized like a lot. Yeah, he seems like someone who would be an ally of Alan Ed. Yeah, know, more than mm -hmm. that was my favorite part of the episode, I think, was his little sequence. It's interesting to me. I want to like pull that thread a little bit. The idea that the one homunculus that's trapped and held in is the most powerful and that's pride. The limited one mm. is pride. I wonder if there's something there. I don't know. Something to think about. Just the nature of, of you know, pride in general. Oh. I think it's a huge insult to someone's pride to be trapped. Yeah, yeah, that is true. And also, of course, Pride is gonna be the one who claims to be the most powerful. <laughs> I think they are, but you know. Plus, it's also not aspects of humanity's seven original sins, but his sins, mm -hmm. you know? His pride was damaged when he was a tiny little thing in a glass, you know? I think that's kind of interesting because that's his uh, perception of pride. The idea of the seven deadly sins, it's not like breathing or 
needing to eat or needing to sleep. It's an idea that was created by organization, the church, to specifically declare what kind of behavior was supposed to be forbidden. Yeah. So it's part of the concept for the seven deadly sins to be someone's tainted view of the world and what that person does not want to see in the world. Yeah, it's self-denial. It feels like pride versus shame is a thing. And like, what's he ashamed of? And the fact that he was trapped, the fact that he can be trapped is pretty shameful to him. Yeah, I mean, like the pride's inherent weakness is just like hubris or something, you know? It's like, it's the fact that they don't, because you think you got it, you don't got it, <laughs> you know? You don't take small things into account when you're prideful, you know? You don't think things through. You you assume you're going, you're stronger than everyone without really knowing, you know? Dang. And that's what this whole episode was about because it is the beginnings of resistance. <laughs> Man. Have you guys figured out Sloth and why Sloth is what he is so yeah. busy why is, Sloth why is so Sloth a big strong guy who does stuff that was during father's irony phase he was like wouldn't <laughs> wouldn't it be funny if sloth was the big dude i think the best thing we could figure out about sloth is that he does a lot of stuff and he's really strong but he doesn't really want to <laughs> right he's not really like he doesn't get invited to the homunculi parties you know even worse than envy envy is like begrudgingly invited but sloth is like was, i don't care i want to go to sleep <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know like maybe he is invited i don't know maybe he just doesn't check his mail i don't know a strong impervious man who does the thing is, we never see Sloth not doing shit. He's never just sleeping. He's <laughs> always doing shit and going, fuck, I hate this. Oh, wait, this answers Michelle's question because Michelle asked her early on. He's like, why did this take 500 years? Oh, shit. Because you put Sloth in charge of the goddamn tunnel digging. <laughs> That's, there's your problem. Speaking of deeper questions that we've been talking about for a long time and never found answers to, I think it's time for us to bring on the classical music. Welcome to First Take Theater, reading actual posts from people who watched the show as it aired. So I legit tried watching this anime two times, and both times I stop at episode 25-ish because of one thing that just stays at the back of my mind that just makes me not enjoy it, and that's the end goal that they set in the beginning. From what it looks like, they don't even need to restore their bodies. Ed has an awesome metal hand that he can turn into a sword and it can just simply replace a fix whenever he gets fucked. There is no reason for him to want his hand back that much at all. And Al has it even better. He has no body that he has to warm up, feed, not get it hurt, and he can't even get sick. They try really hard to justify him wanting his body back because he misses smelling and tasting things, which is the stupidest goddamn reason. There is no actual reasonable reasons for them to wanting their bodies back. It's all stupid excuses. Edit. And hey, I wanted to add another complaint in the show, which is a plot hole. How is Al able to see and hear? We know that he can smell or taste because he doesn't have the body parts required to do so. So how can he see or hear or even speak without having eyes or ears or a mouth? I discussed this with someone in the comments and they basically said, because that's how it works. Can anyone give me a better explanation or just admit that it's a plot hole? I really actually hope the person who wrote this is listening because I'm going to address that second point right now. It's not a plot hole. Nobody cares. It does not matter. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. Get it out of your head. <laughs> 
tried this alchemy thing and it didn't even work. I have a question. When Superman wants to fly faster, does he just <laughs> a little harder? Or, you know, these are the questions that I and, think we uh, deserve I just to know. Address. If you, this is a kind of like quote unquote criticism we see from like YouTube channels and cinema scenes. Yeah, if you watch that kind of stuff, stop. Nobody stop. cares. I'm begging Please. you. Stop. No, no, no. I think it's fun. I think it's fun. I think it's funny to watch Cinema Sins, but but don't think it's like actually no. a sin. Like what you're finding is stuff that's like, guess what? When you make pretend worlds and pretend situations, you know, you run into these, you know, the pretend problems. Listen, please don't tell me you were the kid at like kindergarten who when somebody went, I have an invisible shield. You went, actually, how can you have an invisible shield? Where did you get it? Can you give me your sources? You were the yeah. worst kind of person. I have an invisible shield because it's an invisible shield. God damn no, it. No, the correct answer is, oh, invisible shield. Well, I have an invisible shield penetrating gun. And then... And then you yeah, pretend to exactly. shoot him. <laughs> the point this person is making is like, why do I add it now when I get their bodies back? They have so much better bodies. And it's like, motherfucker, no, they don't. Well, actually, I think I think you can make that case for Ed. Al actually does have a problem. He can't sleep. He can't eat. Actually, having a body is awesome. And it really sucks to be Al. And if that's not enough for you, the fact that he's deteriorating should be. And on top of that, Ed has all this tremendous guilt. It has nothing to do with mm -hmm. his body. Ed's arm and leg, they're badges. They're symbols of the guilt he has for what he has done to his brother. It has yeah. nothing to do. Like Ed's situation is not physically a bad one. I agree. No, you're right. It's the difference. People are always imagining just having like a robot arm and not what it feels like, which is having a robot arm that has permanently written on it. Remember that time you farted in third grade? <laughs> <laughs> The whole class <laughs> Mike, 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 would you want it? Would you want an if it said, "Remember that time you shit your pants on third grade"? Look, if you get, if I got in a metal arm like the one you guys sent me the picture, like yeah. I would still like be fine with that probably. <laughs> metal arm that says, "Remember in kindergarten when you use a urinal but you didn't really know how, and so you pulled your pants down all the way past your butt, and all the kids laughed at you." What isn't that how you use a urinal? No. You, oh, Mike, no. Oh God. <laughs> A lot of things are making sense to me right now. <laughs> oh man, no wonder I've been can't keep a job. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, just kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> it just feels like a drastically sad thing if you think that it's logically better not to have to do all that stuff because that's like the best stuff, you know. Sleeping, like, what are you living for? Sleeping, eating, you know, hugging your friends, you know. Fucking. Okay, but yeah, and pie. <laughs> And like all that stuff. Being alive is amazing. Being alive is like the best possible thing you could ever be. And it's like sucks if you're stuck in a metal suit and watching everyone else have to do it. You know, get to do right. it, I mean. And Some of it is like the shitty year we've had has really like heightened. If you don't enjoy food, what are you enjoying this year, you know? <laughs> I know. Yeah, I if know. you don't enjoy food and sleep... <laughs> <laughs> and like yeah. and if you haven't come to appreciate the touch of a loved one <laughs> by I... April of 2020 <laughs> yeah. yeah or like or just like appreciate even like moving your body i mean just all of it it's like imagine being stuck and not being just being like on the outside of that you know what i mean and not really being able to experience just imagine not being able to feel things with your fingertips you know yeah, it's or smell it's, wet. it's half a life. It's Barbosa, you know. Yeah, it's, I feel oh. nothing. Food turns to ash in my mouth. <laughs> That's uh, such a good movie. <laughs> my 
watching Pirates of the Caribbean today? I think you might be. This I like that the podcast is 50% discussion of Full Metal Alchemist and 50% discussion of weird, awesome sidesteps by Disney. Yeah. yeah. You best start believing in hentai, Mr. Nur, because you're in one. <laughs> <laughs> That's no. very funny. <laughs> Mike! Oh, yeah! Stop, stop, stop. That was way Sorry, too weird. I, I've been planning a weird response, and I, I came out weirder than I expected. It just, it sounded like you were, no. Let's, let's try that again. Mike! What? It's time for you to find the limit of your container, which is going to be at the baseball field where you will go to the bat and Mikey at the bat. Yeah, that makes so much sense. This is the moment of the podcast where Mike has to guess what happens in next week's episode based only on the title and the thumbnail. Mike, will you please describe to us the thumbnail for next week's episode, Bite of the Ent. All right, well, what we're looking at is Envy, and he's looks like he may be doing some kind of transmuting something. He's doing something. His eyes are closed. Oof, I don't know. And it's Bite of the Ants, and all I can think about is, like, the time that they ate ants. This is the when the ants get the revenge. It's like, all is one, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. You ate three of our brothers, now you died. <laughs> oh. And now we must eat you. The circle is complete. You gotta love this show. Everything is connected, you know? <laughs> the ant has become the the eater. <laughs> oh, wait. Yeah. Oh, that's good. <laughs> if you do understand the principles of alchemy, and you do understand that all is one and one is all, then you understand that stepping on the ant is a relevant thing to do. It does matter. In every small change and every small thing in the world has its place and is part of the grand design, you know? You wouldn't have disdain for things that were less powerful or weaker than you. You would have respect for them. You know, and I think that bite of the ant means like our little heroes are the ants here. You know, the people we're looking for that are they're going to have some kind of small victory against the forces that be. And it will probably not be enough, but it will be enough to be like, oh, crap. Well, now I do want to step on you. It's like before he's like, why would I even want to step on you? Do you care about ants? And it's like now he's going to be like, oh, but you bit me. So I'm going to step on you now. So that's my theory. Honestly, Mike, that was awesome. That yeah, was, that was really wow. beautiful. That was really oh, fucking thank you good. Guys. That was really cool. That was great. I think the prediction was fine, but that analysis of how ants are presented in FMA was kind of incredible. Yes. Yeah. Oh, wow. Thanks, guys. Thank you. I really that. was great. That. Dang. Yeah, I've been thinking about it a lot lately. Now that Mike has given his prediction, <laughs> it's time for us to grade the episode on a scale from one to five stars. I'm going to get things started by giving it 2.5 stars. Um... I'm going to change that to two stars, actually, because, you know, I feel like I feel like that whole five minute chunk at the beginning really dragged it down. But apart from that, I just can't find a lot to like. It was OK. Three stars. I love me some Hohenheim. I think that was good. That that, that made it good. The rest was fine. I'm going to go ahead and echo uh, three stars. And it's a it's a Hohenheim situation because early on I was a little nervous. I was like, what the hell? oh, this makes no sense, or it makes sense, but it's like, why? And now it's, you know, Hohenheim saves the day on this one, I think. Three stars. Yeah, I think three stars is a pretty good encapsulation of it. This episode is a lot of stuff that I'm betting will have to have happened when we get some really good things in later episodes. Oh, Matt, if you know how much we've said that. Yeah, this is another <laughs> one of those setup episodes. <laughs> yeah, it's just setting the table, we've said uh, every episode. The, yes. <laughs> this is the episode where they put the Declaration of Independence 
in the oven to heat it up while they're getting ready to do much more interesting national treasure hunting. And that means we're coming up to the end of this week's episode of Full Metal Analysts. I'd like to take this moment to thank our guest, Matt Jekyll, for coming. Thank you so much, Matt. Thank you, Matt. Oh, thanks for having me. It's been real fun. Is there anything you want to plug? I'd like to plug The Muppets. Just go watch old The Muppets. (laughs) (laughs) It's on Disney+. Plus. If the last person forgets about them, they'll cease to exist, and that would be a tragedy. Yeah. And Matt, before you go, can you just do your best Full Metal Alchemist? Full Metal Alchemist. (laughs) Full Metal Alchemist. Full Metal Alchemist. I lost my Full Metal. I lost my Alchemist. We need to steal the Full Metal Alchemist. Why did I think about that? I lost my hand. I lost my mom. There we go. No, I lost my hand. I lost my leg. I lost my head. I lost my leg. <laughs> and if you don't want to lose your hand and lose your bride, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at FM Analysts. That's twitter.com slash FM, the word analysts. Subscribe to us on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. If possible, leave us a review or recommend the show to a friend. We'd like to thank Sarah Leonard for managing our Tumblr. You can check that out at fullmetal-analysts.tumblr.com. But watch out, there are spoilers there. We'd also like to thank Camilla Franklin for doing our podcast art. You can check out more of her work by following her on Instagram, at Camillastrator. If you like this episode and would like to hear more, why not subscribe to our Patreon? For just $2, you'll receive extended versions of each episode a week early. That's right, you can listen to next week's episode right now by going to patreon.com slash fmanalysts. That'll be all for now. We'll see you all next time on Full Metal Analysts. Until then, stay frost, everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye.